Rising, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I don't know if you noticed, but my voice cracked a little bit when I did that. I think I over-podcasted this week. I was a guest on two podcasts yesterday, which I'll share on social media. And uh, this way, by the time you're listening to this, they might both be out. I genuinely don't know off the top of my head, but either way, um, my voice is cracking like a teenage boy because I have just been talking, talking too much, gabbing too much, but it has been great. Another highlight of my life that I have to share with you is that I waited all week. I waited all last week to open a very special package for my friends at Super Yaki, who, if you are <laughs> tapped into my shenanigans on social media, uh, you have seen that we collaborated on a Kite Tales shirt, basically fan club merchandise, so we can do our best to evangelize strangers on this wonderful, wonderful Walt Disney World show. As you know, we did a full Kite Tales episode. It was a dream. Uh, anybody who listened to it, I'm sure you also feel the same, that it was just glorious to be wrapped up in that Kite Tales bubble for a whole episode. But anyway, Super Yaki and I collaborated on these shirts, and I finally I finished all my work. It was my little treat to myself. I opened it up, and inside were two of the shirts. My name is in it? Like, it, it, it blew my mind. I've never seen my name in a shirt since my mom sent me to sleepaway camp and wrote Weisel in everything, in every sock, in every t-shirt, and everything I had. So it would come home with me. And it did. So it was quite smart of her. But anyway, my name is in it in the real way, in a printed way, not in an Audrey Wiesel way. And the folks at Super Yaki sent me a very cool Kite Tails sweatshirt. So if you see me in the parks, ask me about Kite Tails or just note that I'm wearing the same thing every day because that is how I'm going to live from now on because I love the shirt. Now, I, I know I don't want to get like too into a, a week recap at the top of the episode, we have a lot to get into with parkeology. Oh my god! But I should be telling you all about Destination D23 and all the news announcements that came last week. But I have bigger personal news, and that is that I saw the Wiener Mobile. I saw the Wiener Mobile. Did I drive across Los Angeles in Friday afternoon traffic to see it? Yes, I did. Uh, was it worth it? One thousand percent. They gave me a tiny little whistle. Let me see. I know this makes for bad audio, but I really, now that I thought about the whistle, I really want to blow it. Okay. Okay. Let me make sure my settings aren't going to just drown you in whistle noise. Ready? It's my little hot dog. My little Oscar Mayer whistle. Oh my God. Uh, The main things I would tell you about experiencing the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile in real life, which was glorious, was one, it is beautiful. Like it is a stunning fiberglass structure. It is clean. I ask them a lot of questions because it's me and they clean it once a week. But if it gets kind of rainy, they'll just wipe it down. But it was shiny and beautiful. Um, They had an Oscar Mayer uh, license plate, which I thought was very cool. They give out whistles, and I guess for Halloween, they give out glow-in-the-dark whistles. I did not get one, but friend of the podcast, Jamie Loftus, who you may remember from Shrek-sember 2020. I just missed Jamie, like, two Wienermobiles passing in the night at at this Wienermobile parked in the middle of L.A. uh, outside a grocery store. I just missed Jamie, and Jamie did get a glow-in-the-dark hot dog whistle, so I am very jealous. But anyway, that's all that's new with me. Uh, I Again, we should be talking about Disney news, but I'm sure everyone's caught up by now because it's Thanksgiving week and you're probably on your way home or on your way to see friends for a Friendsgiving. Either way, uh, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'm just going to get into it because it's parkeology time and I cannot wait to evangelize you as I have been evangelized about this topic. So stick around. There's so much more on this special holiday week episode. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Today, we're talking about parkeology. I had never heard of parkeology for the longest time, and it's possible some of you haven't either. If you're a Disney fan, you're probably aware of Run Disney, the many races that take you running out and around the parks in the wee hours of the morning. They're popular with Disney fans for good reason. You get to see a bunch of characters, you get to run through the parks before they're officially open, and if you're a monster, you get to eat freezing cold peel-top cheese in a little to-go box at the end of the race. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You know who you are, peel-top cheese fans. But unbeknownst to me for way, way, way too many years, there's an entirely other kind of marathon happening on Disney soil that you might not really know the details about either. So allow me to welcome you, experts and novices alike, to the wild world of parkeology. Parkeology itself is a website, but the Parkeology Challenge is essentially a marathon day in the parks. Literally, because to beat it, you have to ride every single attraction at a Disney theme park resort. Yeah, the whole resort, every park in a single day. If that sounds impossible, it's because it kind of is. The Hall of Fame is not as big as you might expect because it is a feat. You got to cram in things like Wildlife Express, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, and Flight of Passage, as well as every other attraction. (laughs) at all four Disney World parks. Just imagine sitting trying to not lose your patience on Carousel of Progress when you know how much else lies ahead. It's so much to take on, and I'm still blown away that people choose to do it. This is a coveted award. Digital only, mind you. No prize money here. And those who have attempted it speak of it like this hybrid between the Super Bowl, the time they spent in war, and a vacation they'll never forget. Even Robin Lopez, our recent Hidden Mickey, mentioned it. It's everywhere, but it's not something I myself even know too much about, and I'm just way too curious about it to not dive a bit deeper. So, to set the scene on this wackadoo dream so many participants hold, I had to call up my buddy Dave to get his take on it. Hi, I'm Dave Easton. Dave, a fancy professional in the podcasting world, told me about parkeology over a meal at my favorite LA deli in the before times, and I... Just couldn't wrap my head around it. So naturally, now I went back to the source to get his personal opinion on why anyone would subject themselves to essentially a nightmarish day in the parks. I just wanted to talk to you about parkeology because I didn't know it existed until you told me about it. And I almost didn't believe it was real. 
it made me so happy that I was breaking some Disney news to you or just like a thing about theme parks to you. That was, I made me really happy because we had just met and I feel like it was one of, in part of our like initial conversation was like, oh yeah, this archaeology thing. And you were just like wide eyed, like what? And immediately like, oh, that sounds awful. I would never in a million years do that. And me having to kind of like explain to you like why it was something that not only did I want to try, but like then is now on my like, I don't know if I will ever be able to die in peace if I don't get a chance to actually complete it because it's like just became a thing in my life. To trace back, I have to give all credit to my wife, Amanda, because like we're adults who Disney. We are no kids, but we're annual pass holders and go to Disney World four to five times a year. And when you do that, as I'm sure like all annual pass holders know, at some point you're like, we've done it all, right? And you keep thinking about like, what are things we could do that we've never done before? Like, what's something? And we kept saying like on every trip, we want to like do one thing we haven't done before, whether it was like a character breakfast or eat a different restaurant or like just something. And I don't know how she finds her way onto these Facebook groups, but she did. And she's like, there's this thing called parkeology where you attempt to raise ride every ride um in all four parks in one day and i'm like this sounds amazing we have to do it we started researching like like full-on like following people who had done it before like really immersed ourselves in the world and then we went we're like we should do it this time we were it was may it was really hot and i'll never forget like you're supposed to like sign up like 48 hours in advance because they so they can like track you on your Twitter to make sure like everyone because we were doing it on a day where I think there were like eight other teams running. So it was like a specific day because of the hours of the parks like lined up correctly to give you maximum time to try to fit everything in. But I remember like, yeah, we should do it. Like we emailed the night before. Then we woke up at like five that morning because obviously we were going to rope drop Animal Kingdom to get in Flight of Passage first. And there was a moment where we're like, should we do this? This is insane. It's five in the morning should we just go back to sleep for four hours like what what are we doing that's how it like came into my life and then we went for it and we had the craziest day of our life how many times have you attempted it and how close have you gotten that's the kicker of all this only one time it was only this one time that we got to do it and you would think oh you guys have tried a bunch of times and the the issue is that we did it this one time we didn't get very close. I think we ended up in the high 30s. And it's because everything has to go right. And this is not an excuse. But I think even the people who have completed it multiple times will tell you there's just everything has to go right. It needs to be a mix of like the park hours lining up, but also like no rides going down or hitting the monorail at the exact time if you're traveling from Epcot to Magic. And it's like you got to go Epcot to Transportation Ticket Center to Magic. Like we've done it quickly where it's like that entire process, like exiting Epcot into Magic takes like nine minutes total, which is nuts. But or it could take 40 minutes, which like that day it took us. So we did it this one time. Then we're like, all right, we have to line up and do it again. And just because of scheduling reasons, it never happened. And then the pandemic hit and like my dreams have been crushed because of all the changes in the parks that I'm like, will it ever be able to happen? I'll never forget that night that we did it when we realized we were like, we were just no way we're going to get it. We just wanted to pad our stats. So it's like the park's getting ready to close. We're like, quick, do Barnstormer, do Dumbo. Like we just like jumped on all the rides that are like 90 second rides just to get into the high 30s because it would make us feel good about ourselves even though like we weren't even close so yeah it was only the one time and then i was completely devastated when pandemic hit and everything changed and now it's like i don't know when it will happen unless they lift the you can't hop until 2 p.m thing i don't know if it will ever happen 
And I, I will be completely devastated that it's like this one time we did it made such an impact on my life. I still follow to this day people who do it. Shout out to Scott Kumka, this one guy who's done it like multiple times who doesn't know who I am, but I know who he is. Scott Kumka. Yeah, Scott Kumka's the man. Like literally, there was the hurricane week, which I don't know if anyone else has mentioned this that you talked to. There was a hurricane in, in Orlando where no one was coming into town, but the parks were open. So people had free run of the parks. I'm pretty sure Scott Kumka did it every day that week. So like, I'm super jealous of him. It just, to me, the thing is that visiting Disney World itself can be so stressful. So it sounds like it just dials up the amount of stress that you could possibly take, which I think is is where was where I step back and go, I don't think I can do it. But you willingly crave that. It was so stressful. And it like looked stressful to the point that at some point I'm like, are we even enjoying this? <laughs> because it's like, you're literally like every ride you're on, you're just trying to, you know, this is back in the days of Fast Pass people. Every ride you're on, you're just trying to book a Fast Pass for the next ride. So you're like not even experiencing it. You're just like, go, 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 go. It was like 90 degrees that day. At one point, my wife, Amanda, was like, I need to sit down and have a bottle of water or I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, hurry up. I'm like, we just, we have to get to Everest. Like, and it's like, no, I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, fine. Like, I can like concede that this probably isn't going to happen anyway. So like, let's live and not kill ourselves. But it was like an adrenaline rush, like no other. Like for me, again, it's like when you love Disney World as much as I do, and then you get to combine and I like competitive person who like likes sports and whatever. And you get to like, make Disney World a sport, basically, which was like how I would describe this. It was such a rush. Yes, it was stressful, but doing it and when things like timed up right and like worked out correctly, it was like the best feeling in the world. The fact that Main Street vehicles counts as a ride, which means that you have to take a vehicle up Main Street at some point. But the timing of that was so that like you had to do it in a one hour window. And we had we were like, we have to stand right here and hope that the horse and carriage or like, like whatever the, the horse is will pick us up. And we're like flagging them now. But can we please get on? And they're like, sure, come on. And we it was like a moment for us of like the biggest joy in the world because we're like we got Main Street vehicles, which meant we were still like on track to do this and as we pull up to the castle fireworks go off because it was like the morning and i guess they at the time were doing like a morning like welcome type show and the fireworks went off and it was like this like joyful moment where we were like high-fiving as the fireworks went off above the castle because we got to ride main street vehicles which meant our archaeology lives were still intact i feel like you're describing an olympic event (laughs) yeah it that's what it felt like It, it it's like i can't compete in the olympics but i do know Disney World really, really well. And it's like, you're right. Like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not an expert gymnast, but like, I'm kind of an expert Disney Worlder. So like the idea of like being able to take all the skills and like knowledge that I accumulated in my life and get to like put it to the test was the best feeling in the world. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of starting to get it. We Disney fans thrive on adrenaline and sleeplessness and dragging our bodies across theme park resorts. But I still couldn't shake how stressful it all seems. Disneyland seems vaguely manageable, but Walt Disney World? That's just too much. I mean, the rest of us are out here mastering things like Genie Plus and Fast Pass in the old days. And frankly, visiting these places is kind of hard enough. I don't totally get why you'd want to make it harder. I thought Disney fandom was niche, but Dave proves just how deep it all goes. I found myself needing to know more. 
needing to go to the source. So I did just that. Hi, I'm Shane Lindsay. I am Ted Tamburo. Shane and Ted are the fathers of parkeology in the Parkeology Challenge. And if anyone could enlighten me as to why people are drawn to this completionist task, it's them. Thankfully, they kind of opened my eyes to what it could be. But I'll let you hear that play out for yourself. You'll hear these two discuss their first attempt at it, share a few helpful hints if anyone themselves is curious to give it a go, and laugh about the general chaos this day brings. They were so gracious to come on the podcast and teach me all about the challenge and its community, and I'm so happy to share this with you. So, without any further ado, here is Parkeology. I'm so happy to have you both here. I'm so glad this is actually happening. I would love for you to just tell me a bit about what parkeology itself is. Yeah. I, well, the reason why, why it's called parkeology is because it kind of rhymes with archaeology. And that was sort of our idea when we started a blog many, many years ago about uh, about Disney was just to get into the details, the the, the hidden secrets and, and, you know, the sort of abandoned or ruins of lost attractions that are out there in the parks. Um, and it was just a, that the blog was just a way for us to indulge our Disney obsession with, with theme parks. Um, and so that's, that's hence the name Parkeology and it, it's a blog we've been around for, gosh, I don't even know now, 13 years or so. Um, and then we're, what we're kind of more famous for is the Parkeology Challenge, which is this quest that we came up with uh, to ride every ride at Disney World in a single operating day. That um, can't so be done. That, that can't be done. Insane. We were told it couldn't be done, and we were the first to do it. The thing for me about parkeology and the reason that I've never considered doing it is that it seems very, very hard. And it seems like a day full of work when really this is a, a leisure kingdom. This is a vacation destination. So why are people so compelled to do it on their free time when they're away from work enjoying their trips? Well, I don't think that, and, and we would certainly hope that casual first-time visitors are, you know, not attempting this, you know. Um, this is something that people who tend to go to the parks a lot are the people who get interested in it. And, uh, you know, to be fair, this was totally Shane's idea. And uh, when he first told me about it, I had the reaction that I think most people who end up doing it have. And that is, as soon as you hear it, you're just like, that's insane. I have to do it. It really does, when you first hear it, seem completely impossible. And when, you know, it's been over nine years since our first attempt. So it's been a long time. Um, back then, the parks were very, very different. You know, it was paper fast passes. There was no apps. There was, you know, it was a very different animal. But I think it, it still carries over to today. And that is, there's a certain type of person who just, it just clicks with. And it just, it is hard, but it's also a lot of fun. And uh, it's a great way to share time with family or friends. I mean, that's really what I love about it is the time specifically that I got to spend and get to spend with Shane, uh, who's the only other person I personally know who is, you know, as nut job stupid about this stuff as I am. So instead of looking at it like 
this is, you know, 16 hours of running and pain and which it is all of that. But it's also, oh, this is 16 hours of getting to spend time with this guy I really like and like with inside jokes that only he'll get and sharing time, doing something I love that literally I don't know anybody else on earth that would get. So that's why. I believe I read that your first crack at this was the first time you two met in person. Is that true? That's that's 100% true. So we had been friends for decades before we even started the challenge. You know, back when the internet was sort of brand new, we used to hang out together on AOL message boards, I guess, and and joke around about Disney and get really into the details, the geeky stuff. And we just kind of developed a friendship over the years, just a purely online friendship. Um, and it started Parkeology the blog together. And I think even when we got even around to doing the challenge, you know, it was something I, I said, I'm going to try this thing just to kind of be an interesting thing to blog about. And Ted said, oh, yes, I, I'm, I happened to be there that, that week. I went in. And, and I, first, I was very resistant to the idea, you know, because this whole thing stemmed from this weird neurosis I had as a kid of only going to Disney World, you know, once a year and only getting to spend one, one day in the parks and, and doing it with my family, you know. And, you know, and I'm like, well, this is my opportunity to see every ride. I don't, you know, this without having to worry about whether my sister wants to see a different ride or whether my mom is tired or my brother's hungry. You know, it's like, I, I don't know, I, you know, and we've never met. I don't know how Ted likes to tour the parks, although I know he's very much like me. But but I've known the guy for like 20 years. You know, but you, know you never know. I mean, you could have been one of those creepy Internet people, you know. Well, what do you mean? I could have been. And you're going from zero to 100. Like, not only are you oh, spending yeah. every minute of the day together, but you have to collaborate and there's teamwork elements required. So you're really like advancing this friendship full tilt. We got lucky in that we're, in essence, the same person. And to be fair, we did meet the night before the challenge. So I guess there could have been like an emergency ripcord bail. It's so funny because by normal standards, like, yeah, that's totally fine. But this is such a regimented experience that you're like, we didn't we met the night before. Like everything is so clocked out to be the day of like you're not cheating in your in your friendship origin story by meeting the night before. You're totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that the funny thing about the challenge is we when we first did it the first time, we really had no idea what to expect. Like we we knew what our plan was. But just the, the idea of how hot it was going to be in the middle of June, how much you were going to be on your feet, how much r- actual physical running there might be. There's a few times where we did a park hop between um, Epcot and, and Hollywood Studios where we kind of worked it out. You know, it's faster for us to actually do that as a run from, you know, going that path rather than taking a, a car or, or a bus or something. And so we, we were... I think we did that on foot twice during the course of the day to, to make it all work. And um, I mean, know, I was legit concerned. It sounds ridiculous looking back on it, but I was legit concerned. Like I might just have a heart attack midway through, you know, like there might be a situation where Shane's just like, you know, come on, like, you know, pounding my chest. And I'm just like specifically on the path between Epcot and MGM or I'm sorry, Disney Hollywood Studios, for you youngsters. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of barren there. You don't, especially 10 years ago, you, the people didn't really use that path. And I just had a vision of me laying on my back, you know, literally in cardiac arrest, and Shane kind of like pissed off because I'm slowing him down, because he takes it very seriously. 
Um, but as much as I'm I, joking, I would have been, I would have been upset if you had if you had collapsed on that path and ruined the whole challenge. It would have been a devastating thing. If you only knew, if you only had any <laughs> idea. I say this nice stuff all the time, like I just love spending time with my friend Shane, and this dude's just like, I just, I just gotta get the rides. It's all about the rides. I'm the first one who have done it. I did it oxygen free, meaning no fast passes. But I feel like that that teamwork must work together well for something like this. Oh, it, it worked out really great. I mean, I, I we've run it now over the course of years. We've run it, you know, maybe five times or so. And I think it we do kind of complement each other very well in the parks, um, you know, and, and our different knowledge of the attraction, how different rides work. We're, we're able to have quick discussions and make decisions. And it just kind of, it, it was a natural fit. Oh my gosh. And it's been almost a decade at this point. So what has the growth of this challenge been like? Has there been anything recently with social media where a whole new audience has been exposed to it? Or has it just been slowly growing over time? I mean, you know, it's taken on a life of its own. And, uh, you know, we did, the, the weird thing is when we did it, we weren't planning on, I mean, we knew we would blog about it, and that was pretty much the extent of it. We didn't think that people would even care about it or certainly weren't thinking that years later there'd be hundreds of people running it and competitions and boards where people are ranking themselves and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, we did it. I put together a little video. We put it out there, and all of a sudden people started to contact us and news organizations and you know, the funniest one, the very first thing was the most bizarre and maybe the thing we're most proud of. You know, we've, we've been on like the front cover of the Wall Street Journal with this, but that's not what we're proud of. We're proud of being on the in-flight magazine for Norway Airlines <laughs> because that shows you how far it reaches. Like the in-flight magazine of Norway Airlines. Now that's cool. You know, um, but once all these people started to, to, how do we do this and blah, 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 you know, we realized we have to organize this in some way. And uh, suddenly we were thrust into this completely unexpected and, if I have to be honest, from my point of view, somewhat unwanted role of like referee and, you know, uh, uh, overseer of this thing. And, You'd be surprised over the years, people cheat and lie. And I mean, it's the weirdest thing. There's no prize money involved here. Um, but yeah, so, and then of course, with the growth of social media, which existed back then, of course, but I mean, not like it does now. Uh, now it's a, it's a whole different animal. I think people take it as a real point of pride that they've accomplished it and brag about it. I love some of the limitations in place that are clearly nods to things that have gone wrong. Um, I, I really enjoyed no personal chauffeur, which I feel like is a wink wink that you can't be on a VIP tour guide and that no one can fetch food for you. <laughs> you've read the rules. You, you've definitely read the rules. And believe it or not, all of those rules kind of come into being because of these different situations that we've encountered with people <laughs> running it and asking us, you know, asking us to, to random Joe's on the internet, you know, what, what is these, what's the ruling in this situation? You know, you would be surprised at the number of times that people will get on one of the rides and have it break down 
in the loading station with them sitting on a vehicle. I think we have to make a judgment call. Does that count? Does that constitute riding the ride? Or, or the number of people that have, you know, just different family members waiting to drive them from park to park with, we call it a rolling, you know, subway sandwich shop in their back seat to, you know, help them fuel up as they go. We have people with like full hot buffets in the back seat of the car, <laughs> you know, being driven around. Like, that's not really, you eating beef stroganoff in the back of a van, it's not really in keeping with what we intended this to be, but. Right. You know. I mean, the first time we ran it, it was, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what to expect. We knew we weren't going to have time for meals, but so we were like, all right, what food can we bring with us that we're going to be able to like pack in our cargo shorts, you know? And, and we, you know, I, to this day, I refuse to eat like a chocolatey, you know, power bar of some kind, because we, we had so many of those on the first run. And it's just like, I cannot stomach um, looking at it. I remember the very first time we ran it, um, this was this was back when Epcot had Ellen's Energy Adventure, which is a big, slow-moving, you know, it takes 40 minutes to ride that ride, something that, you know, is, frankly, current challengers have no idea how big of a time-consuming uh, effort it was to ride that ride. Um, and we, we timed it, so we, were, we had maybe three to five minutes before, the sh before we had to be on the ride, you know, and um, we, we managed to just snag some pretzels these hot hot, hot pretzels, pretzels uh, with wonderful. the cheese uh from us from the stand right outside and you know having eaten nothing all day except for these chocolatey power bars and and so forth and we're, we're in there laying down on the benches in ellen's energy adventure you know savoring these salty gooey pretzels that we two guys consumed. with hot pretzels jammed in our cargo <laughs> short pockets i mean we're smuggling hot pretzels in to this i so-called universe of energy People, we go to the back row, which Shane insists on because that's closest to the exit. It's closest to the exit. Oh, we're that meticulous? Oh, oh dude, yeah. you have no idea. <laughs> Every second counts. If you're picking what exits, like where to sit on the ride based on how quickly you move, do most people who actually accomplish this at this point, do they stop for water? Do they, do they try not to go to the bathroom? Like All of the above, but unfortunately... From my point of view, unfortunately, and I'm not, I'm going to preface this by saying these, these are the tools and the rules and the reality of what the parks are today. So I'm taking nothing away from anybody. They are just simply using the, the current available tools that Disney is basically forcing people to use. But nowadays, it's basically about people sitting on a ride, updating an app. You know, now I don't know, Genie may make it a little bit different. In the Disney app, people update, update, up. you know, and I think that's a shame because to me, a lot of the fun of the, the challenge was specifically knowing and working out those little tricks. Like, like, I'll give you an example. And again, this is all shame. On that path that goes between Hollywood Studios and Epcot, that's the quickest way to go. But there is a, I'm going to give away a secret here, Shane. All right, go for it. There is a, I'm not going to tell you the specifics, but there is a way that you can go through a field, <laughs> off of the path, through a parking lot, and possibly shave, you know, 45 seconds. So instead of just taking the normal path, you veer off the path through weeds, stumble into a hotel parking lot, and cut through that way. And it, it, 
you know, but all of those 45 seconds build up. It, you know, at the end of the day, 45 seconds and 30 seconds and eight seconds, all of a sudden makes 20 minutes. And that 20 minutes is the difference between making it or not making it. As I- we've been <laughs> watching this for nine years now, watching other people do it, you would be surprised at the number of times that people are literally getting in the last ride that they have to get, you know, seconds before closing. So it, it more often than not really does come down to that very last little bit. It's very rare for somebody to finish all the rides and still have time to, you know, uh, to enjoy a little bit of extra park time. It is always that tight. In fact, when we first, the first time we completed it, so this was the second time we, we ran it, the very first ride we were going to was Toy Story Mania, which at that time, this was pre-Pandora, pre-Galaxy's Edge. It was the hottest ticket on property. So we were going there very first thing, and we get there, and there's the doors are closed. There's cast members out front saying Toy Story Mania is experiencing a delayed opening. We don't know when it will come back up. And, you know, we're sitting there, you know, this was our, this is our whole game plan and it's up in smoke from the very first ride. And we're having to decide, well, do we leave and come back later knowing that this, this is the hardest ride to get. But Ted, to his credit, would like say, we've got to make this up two minutes at a time, just throughout the day, just start chipping away at the available time that we have left. And that's when you lead to some of the things like we call them calling audibles, where you're running past maybe mad tea party and you see, oh my gosh, they're just getting ready to load and there's no line. We can actually, you know, hop right in like, immediately and not even plan. wait for a cycle. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and eventually you build up enough time, 30 to 45 seconds at a time, and, and you'll get, you'll buy yourself that last 20 minutes that you need at the end of the night to get Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion. You know, it's, it's, it all adds up. For anyone who's very interested in doing this, having heard this interview, what are some top tips that they should know going in that, I mean, if you have any tips also that maybe people don't usually know about, I will happily pass them on to listeners. Well, we'll, we'll post the map through the, the shortcut through the Boardwalk Villas <laughs> field. To, you know, uh, no. Please do not. <laughs> I don't want to no. be tied to whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nothing. You're going behind the tennis courts rather than in front of them. It's fine. Um, the uh, probably, I mean, there's some obvious ones, right? Like you want to be prepared to, you know, have water on hand, especially if you're running this in the summer, which in Florida lasts 10 months out of the year. Um, <laughs> the, I, I think the biggest thing that people don't realize when they just kind of hear about the challenge, they assume that you're going to start at one park, write everything at that park, then go to the next park, write everything at that park, and so on until you get all th- through all four parks. People don't realize that that you can't really do that if you're planning for every single ride. Um, and the reason is that all of these different parks have some of the rides within the parks do not open at the park open and they don't always close at the park close. Prime example, and they haven't been running it since the uh, since the pandemic began, but but back before the pandemic, there was this ride and it's the official ride listed on Disney's website called the Main Street Vehicles that are just, you know, you've seen them. They're the horse trolley. They're the, the omnibus, the fire engine that go up and down Main Street. Um, those are considered a ride. Collectively, they're considered a ride, the Main Street Vehicles. Those things run basically at the start of the park when it first opens. And then they, they shut down like an hour and a half later. And then they'll maybe you'll catch one on an af- after a trolley show or something. You can get one. But they basically don't run after like 11 11 o'clock. So if you want to hit that ride, you have to be in Magic Kingdom first thing or at some point in the morning. You can't just hold all of Magic Kingdom to the end because um, you're going to miss it. And there, there's rides like that in every park. You know, you also you still have Tom Sawyer Island, same thing. 
Um, Epcot used to close, Journey into Imagination and Living with the Land. They would close them at 7 p.m. The train at, at Animal Kingdom closed at 4.30. So you have to, you really have to put together this jigsaw puzzle to understand when you need to be in which park. And then, of course, you have to account for all the, all the huge lines that you're going to have that for, you know, Flight of Passage or Rise of the Resistance. Be prepared to screw your friends. Backstabbing? Oh, <laughs> Shane was ready to throw me to the curb, man. That's not true. The, I was the 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 first the first time. So we again, I'm completely dehydrated. I'm dying. It feels, uh, you know, Shane thinks I'm. Joking. I also broke my toe, by the way, on the first run. About an hour into it, broke my toe somehow, and things a mess. We're at the end of the. We're at the end of Epcot. We're wrapping up Epcot. I literally feel like there are daggers stuck in each of my thighs. I'm not exaggerating. It's, as it turns out, I now understand I was just super severely dehydrated. But I just had no idea. I mean, I'm not somebody who's ever like run cross country or something. So I just honestly didn't know. Um, in retrospect, it's like you haven't had anything to drink all day. It's been 16 hours running around in 102 degree heat. But, you know, I'm slow. What can I say? So I've we're on uh, the Nemo. Was it Nemo? It was Nemo. Yeah, yeah we're on Nemo. And all right, we, we had to get off of Nemo and get to Test Track as the last ride before it closed. And I honestly didn't know if I could do it. I mean, I really legitimately like, was having a hard time walking. So our big discussion on Nemo was, okay, Shane's just like, I'm taking off and running <laughs> there. And if you can... If, if you don't make it, you don't make it. I'll see you at the end of the day, you know? So it was like, all right, dude, I get where it's coming from, you know? Throw your friends under the bus. But I have to tell you, he goes taken off. And, you know, I mean, he was hardly, like, cheetah-like in his yeah. Krauss at this By this point, point I mean, taking off probably looked like an old man hobbling across the uh, Innoventions Plaza. Oh, that's, a, that's being yeah. kind. I mean, yeah. it was like a... a, a <laughs> crippled hippo you know kind of meandering his way down but he could at least move and i couldn't move and he's you know meandering down and i see him and i this this sounds melodramatic but i swear to you in my mind it's one of the most dramatic maybe one of the most dramatic things in my life actually he's going down and i see all the you know purples and gelled lights of Epcot and he's silhouetted against it and it's wet pavement and it was actually kind of pretty except I'm watching my friend new found newly met friend you know drop me like a sack of garbage and he's heading off there what you don't know is this was father's day and I was down there it was actually Shane's first father's day ever right that's right and my wife and daughter were down with me, of course. I, I live in Chicago. So this, you know, we were down there on a trip. Shane lives down there. Um, but they ran a mini version of this while we were doing this. They did all the rides in the Magic Kingdom. Those two. And they, they easily did it. In fact, they even had time for a pool break. Um, but as Shane is, is disappearing into the distance, all I could think of is they're going to be so disappointed in. Like, I can't not do this. And I'll tell you, it really was like what you hear athletes talk about, about like overcoming pain and pushing through it. I'm just like, screw it. 
and I somehow dug down. It sounds absolutely ridiculous because it would never happen now. I'd be hydrated. It's, but at the time, I was like, so, like legitimately hurting. And I somehow caught up to him. And we got on that thing and we completed Epcot. And then on the way out, I'm like, I just have to get something to drink. And I stopped and I bought like a Diet Coke or some horrible thing. And I drank it and I'm like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing. So my tip is, for God's sake, drink and also be prepared to screw your friends. Because at the end of the day, it only takes one person to finish and that person still gets credit. So go, if you're doing it as a partner, be prepared. Just have the agreement. If I have to push you into the tracks to win this, that's just going to be the way it is. Oh, my God. I didn't know survival was part of it. Oh, it's cutthroat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if more than 90% of attempts end in failure, how many people would you say are attempting this in a in a regular non-pandemic year? We were growing pretty steadily as people found out about it. We've had days where we've had 20 or 30 teams running on a particular day. On a the lot of same it, day? On the same day. You know, There's a lot been of it a has to be couple big with, days. Yeah, you got to find like people are obviously going to look on days that have the most park hours. Um, so if you can back pre-pandemic when they had, you know, m- morning hours and evening hours, you could all, you could sometimes find those perfect days that were just like a perfect storm where everybody wanted to try it. Um, you know, you know, the, the number of teams per year, maybe, you know, 100, 200 teams would try it over the course of a year. But yeah, the, the, the days when everybody runs is really fun because then um, you're just tracking where's everybody at and everybody's running a different plan. Um, so you'll see, you know, people that are just, knocking off an entire park. You'll see people that are just starting there, grabbing two rides and then bailing. Uh, and then gradually over the course of the day, you know, you'll see teams dropping out, the, the, you know, the new people that have never had no concept of how difficult it was going to be. They'll drop out halfway through or so. And there are a group of people who really enjoy it and do it over and over and over again. There are a few people who have done it. I mean, honestly, countless times. I, I really don't know how many times, dozens of times. You know, I've sort of retired from it years ago because to me it was a the fun of it was can it be done? The first time I think we proved it could be done, then we did it. And then from my point of view, it was like, now we've done it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't need to do it more times. I really enjoyed doing it again because I like spending time with Shane. Shane has a different mindset where he really enjoys just that more. I, I don't want to say competitive as in competing against other people, but more of a a competition against himself or just against the challenge itself. And there are a number of people who do that. And that was a big, big surprise to me. I didn't have any idea anybody would care about it at all. But then I really was surprised that it would create like an ecosystem of people who really, like, really do it a lot, you know, far, far, far more than I have ever done. Do either of you have an all-time favorite story of someone who has accomplished this or hasn't accomplished it and has gotten painfully close? That very first time where I didn't think we had any shot at it. I mean, but going into it, I was just like, Shane, you know, this isn't going to work. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're, you know, we had a spreadsheet. It was like, you know, we'll hit Pirates of the Caribbean at, you know, making this up at four o'clock. And then at, you know, 406, we'll be on Big Thunder. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, we're not, you're not even factoring in the ride time. And lo and behold, it's all falling into place and we actually can do it. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I think it's going to work. 
And then just a monsoon hit, like some of the heaviest rain I've ever seen in my life. And it was so such a roller coaster of emotions. Looking at runs that other people have done, there have been some great runs over the years. I think one of my favorite memories actually had nothing to do with a physical run that took place in the park. But um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, when that last year, when everything shut down and nobody, you know, no obviously no parkeology runs could happen because, you know, the parks are literally closed for months on end. We decided to do this, this virtual parkeology challenge where you would just have, we would give you the rides. We'd tweet them out throughout the day. We're all 47 or however many rides there were at that time. And if you signed, if you wanted to run it, you would be on Twitter. You'd recreate that ride in the best way that you could in your house. You'd post a picture of yourself on Twitter. You'd do our normal parkeology tags. And it would go, you know, literally all day long as if it was a parkeology challenge. Amazing. This has all really changed my perspective on it because I thought it was a down and out competition. But clearly it's more about the person you're spending the time with than competing externally, which it sounds great. It's I maybe one day I will be brave enough to try it. Well, listen, if you seriously, if you ever if you ever get the urge to do it, let us know, because at the very least, we'll give you some tips. But. Shane's always looking for an excuse to get out there and and do it. (laughs) Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. Framebridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with Framebridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of Framebridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. Framebridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Carly, it's Justin in Los Angeles. I just finished listening to your episode on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, and I had a question for you about how you think the experience would work for a Disney adult, childless millennial, whatever you want to call it, person like myself, a 34-year-old man who travels to Disney solo, setting aside, of course, the price and the fact that I'd be sleeping in a room for four by myself, do you think a solo adult could still get the full experience? What I'm kind of talking about here is, like, I picture myself hanging around the sabak table with other groups, and someone runs over and says, we need gunners to protect the bridge. And obviously, if there are children around, I'm going to let them do it. But would I still be getting the full experience as someone who will not push past a child? Thank you so much. Love the podcast, and your mom is hysterical. Honestly, I'm leaning towards no, and here's why. They've kind of been billing Galactic Star Cruiser as this place for families or groups of friends. And I think, from what I know so far, sharing in the experience with someone else is probably going to be a big part of it. What we're learning following that limited preview I attended is that the gameplay is really geared towards families and kids more so than adult Star Wars or Disney fans. So on its own, I'm not entirely sure how young the experience will skew once it's completely done. And I sadly really won't know that until it debuts in early 2022. The main reason, though, that I think the juice might not be worth the squeeze in going solo is that there's really no recreation space. On a cruise, let's say, if you go by yourself, you can go on an excursion on the island, relax by the pool, hang out in the hot tub. Nothing like that really exists here beyond what you already mentioned, which is hanging out at the sublight lounge and hanging out at the holo sabak table. But after, you know, an hour or two, you're still there and it might not deliver in the same way as other similar experiences. Now, it's tricky because there there isn't a lot of passive entertainment on, on Galactic Star Cruiser either. The whole gist is that you will get involved. And while a lot of it is teamwork, it's kind of unclear how individualized the missions will be and what exactly your tasks will be on that data pad and if you'll be doing these tasks with other people. So if I were you, I would pause if you can, or in the meantime, look around and see if there's anyone else interested in going and maybe interested in doubling up. I know rooming with a stranger in space in like a place with no windows is a very wild thing to suggest, but I've met a lot of like-minded Disney friends online, and I'm sure there is someone else out there who is wondering about the same thing. I actually recommend dropping by my Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Carly Wiesel, 
otherwise known as the Fomaly, and leaving a post there to see if anyone feels similarly unsure about going solo, if it's the right move, or if they're looking for someone to room with. We have 6,400 members, so there's got to be someone else out there who's on the same page as you and is wondering the same thing. So for now, I would say wait and see, because we will definitely know if it's good solo by the time it opens. But right now, it's just a little too close to tell. It's really hard to evaluate from what I've seen so far. But I I hope that helps at least a little. And thank you so much for calling. And thanks for the kind words about my mom. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. so much for listening and thank you also for understanding that we had to keep the churros segment a bit wee this week it's a little short but it's a holiday week so we'll be back with plenty of responses for next week in our very first episode of shrek summer 2021 yeah it's here baby wednesday december 1st lineup uh, perfectly and it's gonna be great so keep calling in and i will get on that stat for the rest of the month and the year oh my god how is it december thank you so much to dave easton shane Lindsay, and ted tamburo for being our very special guests on the show this week you can find me carly wiesel at carly wiesel on twitter and instagram and on facebook you can visit my group the Fomily at facebook.com slash groups slash carly wiesel this podcast was edited compendiously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetie, it's mom. I'm got to talk fast because it's my birthday and the phone keeps ringing. So I don't want to get this interrupted. I love the episode. I love the Star Wars cruisers, but I can't really get a grasp on it until I go there with you. So then I can experience myself, because hearing it sounds amazing, but I need to see it with my eyes. So we're going to have to make a trip. Very great episode. I loved it so much. And when you were talking about the girl I called in about the Duffy Parade, that would have been my favorite thing in the world if I was able to see that. But recently, I have good news. Recently, when I was in Orlando, they sold at the Polynesian a little keychain holder of Duffy and then it gives the little Duffy book with it and how him and Mickey became together and okay so if they're starting to sell merch I think things are happening so I love your story but I love Duffy more so I love you have a wonderful week and call your mother I love you bye